Well, good morning, Church of the City, and a happy new year to you and to your family. Well, as we turn the page into 2023, we are also entering into a new season of transition as Church of the City. As likely all of you know by now, uh, Matt Naismith has stepped off of the staff of Church of the City as of the end of last year. And so, as I said, we are entering into a season of transition, a season of waiting, and likely a season of some uncertainty. And so we will have many conversations together about how we're going to approach this transition, what it means for us as a church. But for today, on this first day of this new season, I want to bring to you one specific plea. But first, I want to tell you a story. Now, if you were with us on Christmas Eve, or perhaps you watched our service online, you heard me tell a story that's going to be in a similar vein to the one I'm about to tell. And so I just want you to know that I don't go around trying to get myself into dangerous situations, okay? So just know I'm okay. Uh, But this story involves my university days, uh, and one of the joys, one of the unique aspects of that season of life is that you don't have quite as many people uh, perhaps counting on you as you do later in life. And so you're often able to be a little bit more spontaneous. And so I was at a school uh, about an hour southeast of Buffalo in a place called Houghton, New York. And uh, one evening, a good friend of mine and I decided that we wanted to just on a whim, jump into my car and drive up to Buffalo and visit my friend's sister who lived there. We thought, we'll go up, spend the night, come back the next day. Very little planning went into this. And so uh, it was about 10 or 15 minutes into the drive that we realized at the very least we could have checked the weather. Uh, And if we had done that, we would have realized that we would be driving through a blizzard. Now, if you've seen the weather uh, reports coming out of Buffalo in the last couple of uh, days since Christmas, you, and we all know this already, Buffalo gets some wild weather at times. And so we were driving through complete whiteout conditions. And this drive from Houghton up to Buffalo is a rural one anyways. And so, you know, uh, small little country roads, whiteout conditions. It was dangerous. And very quickly I realized I could not tell where, you know, the road ended and farmers' fields began. Uh, it was, it was, it was dicey. And I realized that the only thing I could still see was the yellow line marking the middle of the road. And that if I kept my eyes on that, I would know that at least we were staying on the road. And so, It got so bad that I said to my friend, you need to look ahead of us and make sure no cars are coming because I have to keep my eyes on this yellow line or we're going to go off the road. We made it okay to Buffalo um, and we vowed never to be that foolish again. But here's why I'm telling this story, friends. I believe that for us as a church in this season, our yellow line is prayer. Our yellow line as Church of the City during this transitional season that we are heading into is prayer. Any number of things for us might need to uh, be paused, things that maybe we've come to appreciate as part of life at the church, 
as part of life within Church of the City might need to be paused or uh, might need to go down a couple notches in terms of their excellence or might even need to die altogether. But if we lose sight of prayer, I worry for us. E.M. Bounds said this, It is better to let the work go by default than to let the praying go by neglect. And I believe that to be true. Paul made a similar encouragement to the Colossian church. He says this in Colossians 4 verse 2, Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. Colossians 4 verse 2, let me say it again. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. Let's break this statement down a little bit. First, continue steadfastly in prayer. It's a little bit of a mouthful. Other versions say devote yourselves to prayer. Persist in prayer. The connotation, the implication being that at times this will be difficult. There might be some resistance, but continue on. Press on. It says continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it. Again, other versions say keeping alert, being vigilant. Now, if I'm honest, this is often not at all how I would characterize my prayer life. Vigilant, alert, persistent. Too often it's the opposite. And in those seasons in my life where I've tried to rejuvenate my prayer life, or double down on prayer, it often feels like I am swimming upstream, like there are things conspiring against me. And you know what, friends? We should take note of this. A 7th century monk, John Climacus, said this, We know the utility of prayer from the efforts of the wicked spirits to distract us during the divine office. The divine office being another word for our times that we set aside for prayer. So, in fact, there may very well be, and I believe are, forces in the world that don't want us to pray because they know of the, the power in prayer, the potential in it. And so we must be watchful. We must be vigilant. And lastly, Paul says, do all of this with thanksgiving. Gratitude must be the foundation for all of our prayers. And when we pray everything in a spirit of gratitude, it does two things. It keeps us relationally connected to the God who has done it all. If we think about life within Church of the City, it's God who's gotten us to this point. And praying in gratitude for all that he has done in the life of our church keeps us relationally connected to him. And it also emboldens our faith for what's to come for the days ahead. So now, in just a couple of minutes, I want to give you three specific items for prayer in these coming days and weeks and months. First, pray for each other. James says this in his letter, James 5, 16. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. 
The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Now, one of the reasons I love this passage is that it reaffirms what we have always believed as a church, that it is not the pastors, the paid staff, the elders that primarily do the work of ministry within our church. Really, it's all of you. And we as staff, we as elders, the pastors, we come alongside you to support you, to encourage you, to resource you. James says, confess your sins to one another. Pray for one another, not confess your sins to the pastor. Go and see the priest. Go and find a paid staff. We all together do the work of ministry, friends. So pray for one another because, as James says, the prayer of a righteous person has great power. Pray for one another. Number two, pray for your leaders. The writer of Hebrews says this, Hebrews 13, 7, remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. So within life, at Church of the City. This means praying for the elders. Pray for us as we shepherd our congregation through this uncertain time. Pray for the deacons of our church, these men and women who do so much work, often behind the scenes, so much heavy lifting day in and day out to help different functions of our church, our, our benevolence team, our missions team, our front lines team, helping people be greeted and welcomed and know what's happening on a Sunday morning for our reunion gatherings. Pray for your missional community leaders. I consider MC leaders to really be on the front lines of ministry at Church of the City, on the ground, caring for people, stepping in in the middle of a crisis, helping new people find a home within our church. Pray for your leaders. And lastly, pray for our city. Remember, when Jesus was asked to give a lesson in prayer, he said this, okay, pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven keeping our eyes outward, praying for our city, though it may seem counterintuitive, at least from the world standards, makes us stronger, gives us a clear vision for the future. Because the church exists to extend God's rule and reign in the world. So pray for each other during this season. Pray for your leaders and pray for our city. And so you will hear more in the coming days, much more about how we are doubling down on prayer in this season. But for today, I want to invite you into one small practice to re-emphasize prayer and specifically prayer for our church during these days. In honor of Colossians 4 verse 2, this verse that we read at the start, I would invite you to set an alarm 
on your phone or on your watch for 4.02 p.m. each day to remind you to pray for our church, to pray for one another, to pray for your leaders, to pray for our city, to pray for us during this time of transition. 4.02 p.m., it's set on my watch. I am praying every day for us. I would invite you to do the same. Friends, prayer is our yellow line. If we keep our eyes on it, keep it centered, I think we'll be just fine. So let's pray together. Jesus, you are the lead shepherd, the chief shepherd of our church. And so we want to do our part and remain committed to keeping the communication open with you, to hear where you're leading us, pointing us, guiding us. We love you, Jesus. Pray all of this in your name. Amen. Well, friends, stay with us and we're going to sing one more song, but I look forward to seeing you in person next week. We are starting a new series called The Worth of Waiting, where we'll consider how the scriptures suggest to us this idea that God wants to do things through periods of waiting, that it's not simply something to be endured, it's something uh, that we learn and grow in the midst of. I'm really excited about it. We'll see you next week.